foundation is built on solid rock. Yeshua. Yeshua. The rock of our salvation on Solace Radio. I had a great trip to Chicago last week. Missed being here. And uh, know it was a great time with Troy, Troy Wallace sharing and uh, with Mike speaking. I was attending the annual conference of the Union of Messianic Jewish Congregations. And it was an excellent conference. Got to hear a lot of uh, good teachings. Went to, to a number of sessions uh, that were just, just great. Uh, had great services, um, worship times, evening um, plenary sessions with speakers and worship. And it was, it was just great. It's always an encouragement to be around people from other congregations that are a lot like ours, and uh, to kind of broaden the horizons and, and hear different uh, speakers, and uh, maybe be sharing a little bit more about it at another time, but it was, it was a great, great, great week. In fact, um, next year, the UMJC conference is going to be in Orlando, Florida, and um, it's it's um, ne- this this coming conference. Um, the president of the organization, Rabbi Jesse Hutcher um, from Boca Raton, Florida, has really cast a vision for it to be a, a family conference. So um, family oriented in the sense of of really um, uh, improving the the children's program and the uh, youth program and sessions that are relevant, um, not just to people in, in, w- w- in specific um, leadership positions or whatever, um, but relevant uh, for everyone um, within congregations. So you'll probably be hearing more from me this, this coming uh, year about the, the conference, and uh, you'll see some materials, and uh, I'm happy to encourage us this morning to consider the conference in Orlando when it comes around next next July. So more about that as the year goes on. I'd like to look at a couple of verses in the Torah portion this morning. We read earlier from the very end of the Torah portion, and now we're going to look at a couple verses at the very beginning of the Torah portion. So we are, it's actually a joint Parsha. So we, end, we read from the end of Maseh. We're going to now look at the beginning of Matot. Matot means uh, tribes, Maseh, journeys. And I'd like for you to turn, if you would like, to Bamidbar, Numbers chapter 30, just verses 1 and 2 today. Numbers chapter 30, verses 1 and 2. Moshe spoke to the heads of the tribes of the people of Israel, saying, This is what the Lord has commanded. If a man vows a vow to the Lord, or swears an oath to bind himself by a pledge, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. That's it for today. (laughs) As far as the reading, okay? As far as the reading, the whole chapter is about vows and pledges and oaths. It goes on to describe different situations in, in life. In particular, 
when a married woman makes a vow or when a girl who is a minor and living in her father's household makes a vow. It's the topic of the whole chapter, but I'd like to just focus on this, really, it's really this verse because verse 1 is an introduction and verse 2 is focusing in on the giving of one's word. And I'd like to mine that a little bit more this morning. The rest of the chapter takes us into some different, different things uh, that are important, but for another time. Here are some thoughts that come to my mind when I read this passage. First, I thought about something that we experienced here at Share years ago. When, because, uh, and some of you will remember this, and some of you uh, will be aghast at what happened, but uh, years ago, uh, after we purchased the building, there was a mix-up in the mail with the uh, North Carolina Department of Revenue that had to do with property taxes. And so I remember that um, Mike Kaufman just happened to be looking on the internet and I don't know, maybe looking at his own property taxes and said, hey, let me look at Share and saw this huge outstanding bill for thousands of dollars uh, for Share's property taxes, which of course, as a uh, non-profit religious congregation, we're exempt from. To make a long story short, the the result was a... a, um, a uh, not in a court of law, but in a quasi-judicial setting in the uh, Department of Revenue with a, with a panel and needing to have an attorney and me needing to take an oath. It's the one and only time I've ever had to take an oath in that sort of a setting. And it'd be nice if I never have to do that again. But I certainly thought about the... Uh, situation of uh, being in that room that looks very much like a courtroom and being in front of the panelists. And uh, of course, uh, everything worked out uh, just fine because there were some problems on the Department of Revenue's end, not our end, and uh, all was, all was uh, made right and we didn't have to pay, etc. But I thought about the situation of being in there and taking that oath. Here's another thought that came to my mind when I, thought, when I read this passage. When my sister and I were very, very young, and we would uh, have chores, we would make deals with each other of who was going to do what chore and, and what the other would do in return for the chore. And then, <clears throat> and then we, would, we would, you know, say, well, are you serious? Will you really follow through with this? We say, yes, I'll follow through. And we must have had some sense that the word promise gave it more force and more strength. So... So we'd say, well, do you promise? Because if we said, I promise, then that, that was for real with, for, uh, between the two of us. And, and then one would say, say, do you promise? And say, I promenade. You know, we, we say, if we weren't sure, I'd promenade, you know, uh, until we could elicit some sort of a promise and some sort of a deal on this. I thought about this. Have you ever made an appointment with somebody? You set up a meeting? And it totally and completely flips your mind, like forgot, forgot, forgot. And you think about how you feel when you made that commitment and when just from the circumstances of life, it completely slipped your mind and you forgot about it. I thought about the fact that occasionally um, 
I'll see something on the calendar that um, my wife Rachel and I keep together of our schedules and our family and all that's happening. And I'll, I'll see something on the calendar and, I, and I'll come to Rachel and I'll say, Rachel, I said, I see this on the calendar, but I have a conflict here. And Rachel uh, will say, we talked about this. <laughs> and I'll say, uh, we, I'm sure we did, you know. I'm not questioning that. But somehow, it, it, uh, I didn't remember. And somehow my words tripped me up in terms of these competing commitments. Just this week, I, I just had regular general checkup and was talking to the doctor about exercise. And the doctor said, you know... He said, I came to a point where I made a vow to myself. This is what my doctor said. I made a vow to myself that five days a week, at the bare minimum, I would exercise 10 minutes a day. 10 minutes a day. He said, from that moment, I went 400 days straight. Seven day, all seven days. I went 400 days straight, no matter what, at least 10 minutes a day, even if I got in 11 30 p.m., I would do some sit-ups, push-ups, jumping jacks for 10 minutes, and I would work out. And he said, ever since then, at least five days a week, at least 10 minutes a day, he said, it's like brushing my teeth, it's it's like waking up, it's just a part of my life. So my calves are sore today. (laughs) Because of a little one-mile run, you know, that I I got in uh, the other day. I didn't make the vow or the commitment, but, but, uh, but, uh, but I, did, I did run. What do you think about when you read the words, if a man vows a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by a pledge, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. Do you think about words that you have spoken? Do you think about promises you've made to yourself? to God, to others? You think about New Year's resolutions? What do you think about? The very general but clear overarching point of this verse and the whole chapter is straightforward. It's keep your word. It's keep your word. And really, I'd just like for us to try to grasp the sense of the command and the weight of the command and look at the way Yeshua teaches it. And I hope be inspired a little bit more to live it out this morning. Lord, we do bless you. We do thank you this morning. You have given us good words of instruction. Lord, our desire uh, is to hear and be changed, to hear and be renewed, to hear and be challenged. And Lord, we seek the empowerment that comes through your Ruach, your spirit, to walk in your ways. Shem Yeshua. Amen. Upon close reading of the verse, we realize we're reading some different words in English that are synonyms. Vow, swear, oath, pledge, word. Let's look at them. First it says, vow a vow to the Lord, or before the Lord, or for the Lord. The word here is neder, and you'll recognize the word because it's the name of a very, that we, by which we call a very well-known service coming up in the fall. That's kol nidre. And you hear the same consonants in the word neder and in the word nidre. 
Kol Nidre means all vows. And in general, a neder, a vow, what translated here as vow, is a, is a positive promise, such as to um, give or to set, set something apart as holy to the Lord. That's one example. There are many different examples, but that's one example of a vow. Often, a vow can be conditional and dependent upon God acting on behalf of someone. If God does X, then I will respond with Y, vow. The person making the vow is, of course, obligated to fulfill it after God fulfills a request. Here's some examples. Jacob says, if God will be with me and provide for me, then God will be my God. This pillar will be God's house, and I will give a tenth to God, Genesis 28, 20. And the word used there is a neder. He vows, he vows a vow. Here's another example. You remember Hannah, Hannah, who comes to the tabernacle and says, if you will give me a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come on his head for Samuel chapter 1. That's a vow. And it's the same word is used and is described here as a vow before the Lord. Of course, the danger in a vow is that a person may forget or neglect to fulfill the vow before the Lord. Hence, Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 21, if you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay fulfilling it, for the Lord will, your God will surely require it of you, and you'll be guilty of your sin. When a person does fulfill a vow, such as in the psalm we read earlier in our service in Psalm 66, then um, um, it's portrayed time and time again, especially in Psalms, as a happy, as a joyful thing. Because it means God has acted on one's behalf and the person is coming to respond, be it with a sacrifice or, or in some other way, to the Lord in fulfillment of that vow. The other words that are used here are to swear an oath to bind himself by a pledge. It's all one phrase. It goes together. Or if a person swears an oath to bind himself by a pledge. And um, that whole phrase is referring to a type of commitment in the key word here in Hebrew is isar, which means to constrain or to forbid or to, to restrict, something like that. And sometimes this is considered to be like a negative um, or a restrictive type of vow. Uh, for example, um, uh, the, uh, a pledge to fast, a commitment to fast or abstain from something that's otherwise lawful. That would be an example of this type of a, a pledge, not, not necessarily conditional. And, you know, these categories are not uh, impermeable and hard and fast all of the time. There's much written on it. The, the rabbis, uh, there are tractates of the Mishnah called oaths and called vows, and, and uh, there's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot to it. It says if you've made a vow before the Lord or a pledge in our verse, the person shall not break his word. Literally, don't profane it. Don't go against it. It says rather do what you said you would do. In fact, the Hebrew is more vivid um, than just do what you say. The Hebrew says 
He shall do according to every word that, is, that proceeds out of his mouth. And in Hebrew, like a word or words, and I'm talking about more than language, I'm talking about thought and I'm talking about understanding, has a very real weight and force. The word has exited, as it says literally, out of the mouth and has been established. And there's the word present, ready to be fulfilled. It's like the reality of it has been released and, and, and like, a, like a glove needs a hand to come and to, and to fill it full, that word needs, needs the substance of the actual doing, of the actual uh, response uh, to be filled with the follow-through. That's it. That's the passage. It tells me a few things. It tells me first that words matter. Words matter. Commitments matter. Don't speak rashly. Words establish expectations. They give evidence of of what's going on on the inside. They express what's going on on the inside, our hopes, desires, our plans. And a question that we would do well to ask ourselves this morning is, have we been rash? Or have we been flippant with our words, especially our commitments, especially what we have said we would do or not do? Have we made commitments and not followed through? Have we created expectations and not followed through? Pause this morning and remember that our words matter. It tells me, secondly, that A vow or a pledge is a matter of choice. There's not a command here, you shall make this vow, you shall make this pledge. It says, if a person does such and such, and we have a choice to make, it's something, a vow or a pledge is voluntarily, is voluntary. And this passage tells me to choose carefully. To choose carefully. Don't take lightly the words that I'm speaking, the commitments that I'm making, the word that I'm giving. Are we too flippant with our language? Are we not taking the choice seriously enough? You know, um, in the, um, especially in the liturgy, God is described as the one who decrees and fulfills. And this is like one of the primary qualities or characteristics of God that we're reminded of time and time again and through and through, throughout the the course of of every service actually. That this, the fact that God decrees and fulfills and always does or will make good on his word. I mean, makes God, God. It's a, dis- it's a distinguishing characteristic of who God is. It's not just politicians whom we like to beat up a lot, you know, who speak words and make commitments and promises and don't always follow through with them. We do well to look at ourselves, and we do well to take care. Everything from making plans 
to some of the most solemn commitments that we make in our lives. This passage tells me that less is more when it comes to making commitments before the Lord and before people. Here's what um, Kohelet says in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 4-7. to seven. It's better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. For when dreams increase and words grow many, there's vanity. But God is the one you must fear. Have we come to a place where we are overcommitted to the point that we can't walk out the things that God has called us to do because of what our mouths have spoken and we're overcommitted? Are we overcommitting ourselves to the point that we can't fulfill? Less is more, as we learn here, in these vows and pledges. You know, in the past couple of years, I've found myself choosing certain words more carefully, especially when it comes to doing things, especially when it comes to responding, and using words like, I plan to. <laughs> and I know it sounds small, and I know it sounds, sounds minor, but words, words matter that much. And if you think about it, in your own life or in the life of one, one close to you, we think, oh, you know, I'll do this on this day, and you know, it doesn't happen. We all understand that. It's, it's not a big deal on one level because uh, we know the, the busyness of life, and we know, you know that we, things can slip our minds, and it can come later, or we need to be reminded. Or all of that, We get it all. We get it all. But I think over time, over time, it's important. And, and if you think about certain individuals in your lives, from whom you've maybe little acts of non-responsiveness have just sort of accrued and accrued and accrued, and and then how how that makes you feel, your how that makes your perception of another. When we start to think about these things, words are important in the big and in the in the seemingly small over the course of time. Yeshua teaches. On this passage in his Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 to 37, he actually quotes from just a, 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 has a few words that seem to be a quote from, from this very verse that we read. He's quoting from some other passages in the Torah as well that deal with vows and oaths, but this one is certainly one of the passages in mind. And here's what Yeshua says in Matthew 5, 33 to 37. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it's the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black, let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. So Yeshua quoting this verse uh, or a part of this verse here is saying in general, the Torah teaches, do what you have committed to do. That's what he says first. You have heard that it was said to those of old. 
Do what you've committed to do. It's sort of a summary of a number of different passages in the Torah, three or four, on this specific uh, topic and subject. But then, I think what Yeshua is doing here is he proceeds to build a protective fence around the commands about vows and pledges. So he says, don't take an oath at all by invoking God's name or some substitute for it to guarantee that what you're saying is true. He's building a fence so as to help us understand the weight and the gravity of our commitments and our words and our vows and our pledges to keep far away from breaking them. So I think one of the things that he's doing here is not batting down a command of the Torah, but actually protecting a command of the Torah by giving this great caution. In doing so, what he's doing is going to the core or to the heart or to the spirit of the command by saying your words should be trustworthy before the Lord and before people without the pomp and the ceremony of a formal vow. It's very simple, actually. Keep your word and when you say yes, and keep your word when you say no. Some have interpreted Yeshua's words here to mean never ever make an oath, any kind of a pledge, any kind of promise, and if I just don't do that, then I'm okay. And I'll never break or I'll never, I'll never violate uh, Yeshua's words here, and there are certain groups, for example, that won't that would refuse to take a sworn oath in a court or something like that because of this. But I find Yeshua's disciples um, not understanding him to be prohibiting all vows for all time. Shaul takes a vow; it says very clearly in Acts chapter twenty-one. Yeshua himself testifies under oath in a trial um, before the high priest. Uh, God in the Tanakh swears many times by God's self, you know, throughout the Tanakh. So I think what Yeshua is saying here is be extremely careful in your commitments and in giving your word. And it's not about the pomp and the ceremony of it. And he's intensifying the command saying, even your yes should be absolutely trustworthy. Even when you just say no, it should be absolutely trustworthy. He's stressing that the overarching point here is not about technicalities. The overarching point is about being true to what you choose to say, to the commitments you make to the Lord and to others. You know, we can, even in taking an oath or even in making a big deal about a, a, about a commitment, be manipulative in some way. And these are the things that Yeshua is speaking against. It's the simplicity of our forthrightness, of our honesty. How do you want to, before the Lord, how do you want to um, speak? How do you want to be, be known when you think about your words and your commitments and everything we're speaking about here, do we think about, is there a desire for trustworthiness, for reliability, for dependability, 
for honesty, for integrity. These are the things that come to us through the keeping of our words. These are the heavenly treasures, so to speak, built up of faithfulness and of honesty before the Lord. And you know what? When we can be trusted, we're people whom others want to be around. We're people whom others entrust uh, uh, and others would entrust us with things when we're to be believed, when we're to be trusted. I want to encourage us this morning to think about the little things and the big things, of course, that, so, that sometimes um, may just fly back and forth between us and God and us and other people without, without the thought that our passage in the Torah here and what Yeshua tells us they deserve. Let's think about the words that we're speaking this week. Let's think about the plans we're making the commitments we're making, and let's, let's take inventory this week and let's seek to be faithful to uh, what, what the Torah is teaching us here and to Yeshua's command, uh, Yeshua's uh, interpretation and authoritative teaching on the spirit of the command. Lord, we bless you and uh, we thank you this morning that you have given us ability, Lord, to... Um, make uh, plans to commit to things, Lord. You have given us um, desires. You have given us um, uh, senses. You have given us um, different uh, calls. You have uh, given us uh, inspiration, Lord, um, in so many different areas of our lives. And the desire of our heart is to be faithful, to be faithful to what we're speaking before you and to you, to commitments that we're making to you and before you, Lord, to commitments that we're making to others. Father, I pray for each one of us this week that, Lord, where we have spoken rashly, where we have overcommitted, where we have broken our word, Lord, that you would bring that to mind, that we would turn back to you, Lord, and that you would teach us, Father, from that. Lord, that we would be wise with what we say. We bless you in Yeshua's name. Amen. Messianic Radio for a spiritually hungry world. Speak to the rock. Get answers for your life. Find out what's missing in your Bible and why. Solace Radio. Changing lives one heart at a time.